This story happened a few years ago when I worked in the electronics department at a small town Walmart. The store has a photo center with self-service kiosks in the electronics department, so I was usually the one manning it. This town had a large retirement community and a lot of bored seniors would come in to use a kiosk for hours at a time, printing pictures. This was a pretty good gig. I was good at helping the customers figure out this newfangled tech and they loved showing me all their pictures. They were mostly adorable and helped my shift go by. Then he showed up. An old man looked to be in his 70s or 80s with a thick European accent. He looked very sweet and unassuming. He asked for help at the kiosk and I obliged. Delighted, he asked me to look at some pictures he took of his wife. Trigger warning, it gets graphic. I will never forget what I saw. As I plunged into his hard drive, he was talking about how he just moved here after his wife passed. Terrible accident. She had apparently fallen and never recovered. Then the photos loaded. A woman on the sidewalk. There was blood. Her arm stuck out at an odd angle. She looked broken. The man, still smiling by the way, explained how he had taken this right after her fall. He clicked the arrow keys. There were many shots from different angles. The horror show kept going. I was completely speechless. What do I even say to that? There is another series of the same woman in a hospital bed, hooked up to all kinds of tubes, clearly dying. It was sickening. But the worst ones were the ones where she was dead. I mean dead. Eyes open and rolling back, mouth gaping dead. Then the old man standing next to her corpse, smiling. The same creepy smile he wore as he completed the gruesome tale. I don't know what happened to him after that. I muttered some excuse and ran to the bathroom. I threw up and then went home. Every time I saw him in the store, I power walked the other way. I did speak to my manager about it, but I feel like they never took it seriously. They said that he was just a harmless man with a photography bug. I still see that dead woman when I close my eyes sometimes. So this just happened last night and I'm really freaking out about it. For some context, I'm a 25 year old female living in a less than desirable part of my town. There has been a huge problem with the overabundance of homeless people in my area. The homeless part isn't the main concern, it's that most are on drugs which has led to a major increase in break-ins and going out in the dark even just to the car is a tad bit hair-raising. Anyways, I live on the third floor of a three-story apartment. The layout of my apartment is pretty basic. Kitchen and bathroom to the left and right as you enter. If you continue down the straight hallway from the entry, you'll hit the living room and the dining room that has a huge bay window with a bedroom to the right. So last night, I had just got done with the dishes and was preoccupied in the kitchen. I kept hearing what I can only describe as a scratching tapping sound. It was pretty faint and at the time I paid very little attention to it. A little after I started hearing the sounds, I went into my bedroom and through the window I could have sworn I saw movement, but when I took a closer look, nothing was there. Now, I live on the third floor, but below my window is the top of the extended portion of the shared laundry room. It was a good 10 to 12 feet below the bottom of my window. 
At this point, I thought I was just tripping after a long day. I changed and got something comfy on and headed into the living room to watch a few episodes of Lucifer and text a few friends. The whole time when I was on the couch, I would hear the same faint sounds, but every time I would pause the TV, I would no longer hear it. At this point, I don't know if I'm nuts or I should actually be wary of this. I kind of brushed it off, but listened closely. I unpaused the TV, but was not focused on the devil himself. I was just listening and looking out the corner of my eye. That's when I saw it, a hand at the corner of my bay window. It's important to note that there's an 8 inch ledge just below my window. I believe the purpose of the ledge is for drainage. Well anyway, there was someone on that ledge just below my window. I tried to act as if I hadn't seen anything and then sent a text to the guy that lived two apartments over just hoping that he was home. I casually walked into the kitchen and decided to call him. Luckily he picked up right away. Hey what's up? There's a person outside my window and I think they're going to bust in. He then said something that made my heart drop. He wasn't home. At that point, I didn't know what to do. I was still in the kitchen but was acting like I was cleaning up and turned off the kitchen light. I just stood there in complete darkness. I was doing my best to play it off as if I was clueless and I think I was doing a good job. I was acting as if I was texting but I had my eye trained on the window. That's when it all came together. I saw the hand move out of the corner of the window with what looked like a phone and then I heard the sound. It was a slight tap of the phone against the window. He was recording me through my window. I don't know why I did what I did next or if I was even thinking but I ran straight towards the window and pounded on it. The hand moved quickly and then I covered my windows with my blinds. It's kind of an anticlimactic ending. I ended up calling the cops, but I doubt anything will come of it. Earlier today, my neighbor gave me sticks to put in my windows, and I think I'm going to have my blinds closed at night from now on. I don't know how long this person was out there, and I honestly don't want to know. I just feel so unsafe sitting in my apartment tonight. My friend lived in a super rural, small country town, and I had came to spend the summer at her grandparents' house. We were both 13 at the time. We are now 22, and thought it would be a good idea to sneak out around the town, maybe stop at the park. As we were walking down this road, about 30 minutes after we left the house, we noticed someone was following us, wearing all black with a hoodie. We both got pretty creeped out and quickly ran to the corner before hiding in some dark bushes. After the guy passed us, we waited for another 30 minutes. We decided that we should probably head back to the house, so we ran there. Once we got back inside, we really couldn't get to sleep, so we did an all-nighter. The next morning, we saw on the news that a woman was stabbed, assaulted, and killed on that same exact road that we had been on that night. We can't help but wonder if that attacker was the man who had been following us. Safe to say we didn't sneak out again after that. Extra details. We believe the man was following us because of multiple factors. 1. It was 3am and he was the only other person we saw in the area. Super rare to see anyone else that late in a small town. 2. He was wearing full black, joggers and a hoodie with the hood up. 
It was pretty warm out since it was summer, so it just seemed odd. 3. Every time we would stop and look back at him, he would act like he was looking at something. And then when we start walking again, he would do the same. It just seemed suspicious. And we both got a bad feeling, so we hid. Also, we did not tell the police because we were scared. We also didn't have much information to give them, other than the fact that it was a male and he was wearing all black. We didn't think that would be any help. If I was an adult at the time, I for sure would have reported something, but I was just a child. So this story is from around 10 years ago. I was 16 or 17 at the time. I recently discovered this subreddit and it instantly brought these memories flooding back to me. At the time, I kind of just brushed it off because nothing bad ended up happening. And I put it down as, I guess this shit just happens to you when you're a woman walking alone at night. But looking back now, I realize how creepy it was. I was coming home on a Thursday night after being at a pub with some friends. We had been out a little more centrally in the city, so I had to take the bus on my own to get home to my residential neighborhood. I had done this route hundreds of times, so I didn't see it as being particularly dangerous, especially since I live in a fairly nice neighborhood. It was only about 11pm, but because I lived in a residential area and it was in the middle of the working week, when I got off the bus at my stop, it was absolutely dead and there was no one around. Again, this didn't spook me as it's only about a 5-10 to 10 minute walk from the bus stop to my house. As I turned down a long residential street that leads towards my house, I noticed a guy walking further down the street. This puts me a little on edge, but I was reassured by the fact that he had his back towards me and was walking away from me down the street. As I kept walking down the street, I noticed the guy turn around and clock me. That's fine, I thought. I always turn around when I hear someone walking behind me at night, so nothing weird about that. But I noticed as we get further and further down the street, kept checking if I was still walking in the same direction as him. At this point, I'm starting to get pretty freaked out, as I'm painfully aware that we are the only two people around. Just as I was weighing up what I should do, he turned on the path of one of the houses to the right, and I let out a sigh of relief. He was going into his house. I was just being paranoid the whole time. The houses in my area are terraced with the front doors kind of being embedded into the enclave at the front of the house. What this means is that from where I was standing, about 50 feet away, I couldn't actually see the front door of the house as it was obscured by the wall. However, I saw him walk down the path and disappear into the front enclave, so my logical conclusion was that he was letting himself into the house. I can't describe exactly what made me feel like this, but after that initial feeling of relief wore off, I suddenly got this really bad feeling. So I stopped walking and just stood there. There's a teeny voice in my head that said, what if he was just faking you out? The feeling became so strong that I stepped off the pavement and ducked behind a parked car and just waited. After a couple of minutes of just crouching behind the car, staring at the house, I saw movement and my heart stopped. The man came back down the path, out into the street and was looking around, looking for me. He must have been waiting for me in the doorway, knowing that if I kept walking, I wouldn't see him until it was too late. Unfortunately for him, his hiding place also meant that he couldn't see me. 
So when I didn't walk past as he anticipated, he came back out into the street to try to work out where I was. Looking back now, I probably should have called the police at this point, but as a scared teenager, my fight or flight brain took over and I sprinted down one of the roads running perpendicular to the street where we were on as I knew I could use it and take a slightly longer route home. I didn't stop running until I got home where I quickly double locked the door behind me. Amazingly, I didn't even think to wake up my family. I literally just went to bed and then woke up the next morning and went to school. I dread to think of what would have happened if I hadn't got that bad feeling and stopped walking. Part of me thinks that on some sort of subconscious level, my brain had registered of not hearing the front door shut after the man had approached it and therefore triggered an alarm in my head, but I had no perception of it at the time. Lesson learned, trust your gut. I was in a toxic, borderline abusive friendship with a girl from the ages of 9 to 12. Here's a little background information to give you a little understanding as to what my life was like back in the late 2000s, early 2010s. I grew up in a very tumultuous household. My parents hated each other and my extended family along with my immediate were plagued by mental illness and drug addiction. Needless to say, I was a very anxious girl who was drawn to unstable people and suffices it to say, they were drawn to me. I was a shy 11-year-old girl who, like many others before me, used the internet as a way to vent my frustrations and anger about my home life. This was the time where AOL was the main source of communication used between friends, and I was no stranger to this along with MySpace and Facebook. However, I wasn't like the typical preteens of this era, or so I thought. I kept my profiles private, never accepted a follower or friend request that I didn't know, and never shared my location on these said profiles. This is the part where I introduce Tanya. Tanya isn't her name, of course, as I don't want to use her real name in case she just so happens to read this thread, watches the YouTube channel, or listens to the podcast. So, we'll just call her Tanya. Tanya and I met in elementary school. One of the points in my life where my family situation was quite volatile, and in retrospect, I think she sensed this. I was vulnerable and... Tanya took advantage of my innocence. She never really displayed any signs of her true intentions in the beginning, as they never usually do. She would do shady things every now and again, manipulate me into begging my mom to stay on the computer until the wee hours of the morning so we could go on not-safe-for-work websites, ghost me when I didn't give her my favorite pen, or yell at me when I couldn't perfect a guitar solo on Guitar Hero. She did some things to me that I believe my brain blocked out due to trauma. My mom didn't like her either. Parents always have weird intuition when it comes to friends and I wish to God I would have listened to my mom before Tanya did what she did to me. Tanya's behavior changed for the worse when we turned 11. Tanya was openly jealous of my success in school. Granted, she was incredibly smart herself, but she always made it a point to mock me for having great grades and would always comment that since I wasn't pretty enough, having good grades would be a nice balance. Nice, right? It took me a while to build my self-esteem up after all the snide remarks she would make about my weight and my face and only now as a 22-year-old do I think that I'm beautiful and have a wonderful figure. Anyways, back to Tanya. As a result of her jealousy and growing resentment towards me, she began to plot my downfall. I make no exaggerations either. This girl literally tried to ruin my self-worth even more than she already had. 
It started in sixth grade. Tanya and I were remarkably close that year and I wanted to do everything with her. We would talk all day in school and would chat all night on AIM. One particular evening, Tanya and I were talking about boys. Being that we were hormonal preteens, our conversations would usually turn into who we liked in school that day. Being that I had a horrible relationship with my father, I didn't really trust boys, even from an early age, so it was rare if I developed a crush on one. I remember Tanya and I's conversation going a little something like this. Her saying, Do you know Mark? And me replying, The kid in my class, yeah, why? I heard he like likes you. What? No way. Totally, he told me. You want me to talk to him and give him your username? Of course. Oh my god, thank you, Tanya. My heart was racing. A boy liked me? Impossible. When Tanya told me that she would give Mark my username for AIM, I nearly exploded in my seat. 11-year-old me couldn't believe I was going to have my first real boyfriend. But how wrong I was. Fast forward to the next night, I was getting ready for bed when I heard the famous AOL ding sound off on my iPod Touch. You know the sound I'm talking about. When I checked the notification, it was a message from MarkyBoy99. I turned red. Tanya really had talked to Mark and gave him my username. She was truly the best. He messaged me with the usual, hey, emphasis on the three Y's, and I responded, hey. I didn't want to come off as desperate, so I only used one Y. Not even one minute later, he messaged me back. We talked all night about everything, our days, how school was, what type of silly bands we liked, typical 11-year-old stuff. I have to admit, I was smitten right off the bat. I think it was partly because I had never really had a boy like me before and the other part being that my self-esteem was so low that I never thought a boy would be capable of liking me. Also, it could have been because Mark was one of the most popular boys in school at the time. He played football, was mouthy to the teachers, and was extremely outgoing. All the things a young girl would be attracted to. He talked for months, my puppy love growing for him more and more every time we chatted. Of course, I never spoke to him on the phone, nor did I get his phone number because why would you do that, right? All the while I was speaking to him, Tanya would be gassing me up, telling me how proud she was of me and that I deserved a boyfriend. My suspicions of Mark only began to grow when I attempted to approach him during school hours. Again, I had anxiety, so I'd never really speak to Mark outside of AIM. When I went to talk to him, Mark looked confused, as if though he's never had a conversation with me before in his life. He turned away from me on the playground and walked to be with his other friends. Huh, weird. This wasn't like him. He was usually so chatty with me online that I expected him to welcome me with open arms in person. My ego was bruised. My little 11-year-old mind tried to rationalize his behavior by chalking it up to him not wanting to talk to the nerd since he was so popular and that he just preferred to keep our relationship online. I told Tanya the news and she seemed to be genuinely heartbroken for me. She was just as angry as I was and vowed to confront Mark later that day during music class. I was happy. Tanya had my back and as far as I knew she was going to tell Mark off about being a total jerk to me. Well, it worked. Later that night I got a message from Mark telling me how sorry he was for ignoring me and that he was just going through some family things. Back in love I was. I didn't care that Mark ignored me during school. I didn't care that he rejected my advances in person as long as I had him to talk to online and Tanya's support. I was fine. 
I even told my mom about him and she was extremely happy for me as well. Another month passed and it was March 31st, 2011. Mark messaged me and told me that he had something very important to tell me the next day. The anxiety began. What was it? What did he have to tell me? At that point I considered myself and Mark to be dating so I was anxious that he was either going to break it off with me or that he was going to make us public in school the next day. I told my mom and Tanya, almost on the verge of tears of how excited and nervous I was. Well, the next day, April 1st, 2011, rolled around and this is what followed. It was around 7pm and I was on Club Penguin as I usually was until I heard a familiar ding. It was Mark. It was time for the news I'd been waiting for all day. Hey babe, winky face. Oh my god, hey, I've been waiting for you to chat with me all night. Sorry babe, I was at practice. Are you ready for the news? I was shaking with anticipation at this point. Even writing this now, a whole swell of emotions was resurfacing. Yes, of course, I said. It was then that Mark sent me a picture. I opened it, but only it wasn't Mark. It was Tanya. And she was holding a handwritten sign that said, Happy April Fool's Day. At first I started laughing and I mean it was an ugly laugh. Of course it was a prank. Tanya had gotten me so good, right? Right? Well, wrong. It was then when the realization hit me that I started to sob. I felt betrayed and like a loser. Tanya had been behind Mark all along and she had been planning this big joke since October of 2010. She had been so jealous that she pretended to be someone else and string along my emotions when she knew I was already in a rough place mentally. She told me that I was stupid to even think that Mark would even like me in the first place and that I was dumb for not asking for his number. Tanya had been at this for six months. An 11-year-old girl plotted Mark and used him to make me think that a boy liked me and tricked me into believing that I had a boyfriend, all the while telling me when we hung out that she was happy for me and that Mark and I were a cute couple. I told my mom, who then called her mom. My mother was livid, to say the least. She told Tanya's mom to tell her daughter never to speak to me again. I was crushed. My best friend of three years had catfished me because she simply wanted to play a joke. I was loyal to her and she toyed with my emotions because she could. Tanya had tried multiple times to guilt trip me into being her friend again in the months that followed leading into seventh grade. One of the more memorable and honestly messed up times being when she messaged me a few days after my birthday in August to tell me that her mother had just died in a horrible car crash. Her body was dismembered and they could only find her head and wedding ring. As anyone would be, I was in tears. Tanya's mother was nothing but lovely to me and learning that she died in such a violent way was crushing to my soul. I started talking to Tanya again, asking her when her mother's funeral would be. Tanya then revealed to me seconds later after speaking to her about the grisly details over her mother's passing that she was kidding and was pranking me again and that I was stupid to believe her. She even sent a video of her laughing at me. I was disgusted. Who would even say something like that? What now 12-year-old would message someone that their mother was dismembered in a car crash? She then revealed her ugly and quite frankly evil intentions when we were at the beginning of 7th grade and she became friends with a girl named Kaylee. They both invited me to sit with them at their lunch table and because I was desperate for friends, 
I stupidly accepted, only to be met with hordes of insults and laughter behind my back every chance I wasn't looking. Tanya then messaged me one night telling me to take my own life and that the world would be a much better place without me in it. She had Kaylee tell me to go jump off of a bridge. Tanya told me that she hated me and was never really my friend to begin with, that I deserved all the pain she put me through the year prior. I again told my mom, who then called the police. She had had enough of Tanya, and so had I. For four years I had put up with Tanya's malicious behavior, and I just couldn't handle it anymore. My mom made me delete my AIM account, and Tanya's mom told her to never contact me again, or else. My mom also advised me to move lunch tables, but I was focused on not letting Tanya win. For the entirety of 7th grade, I sat at the same table as Tanya, only I spoke to my friends at the other side of the table. I never spoke to her, looked at her, or gave her any sort of attention. Kaylee was scared to death of me afterward too, as the police had gotten in contact with her and her family as well. It's been 10 years and I still haven't spoken to Tanya. I'm now 22 years old, have two bachelor's degrees, one in psychology and the other in history, and I'm now working towards a master's in clinical social work. Tanya did other things to me too, that I could write a whole other story about, but I think writing this one helped me give closure on that part of my childhood that scarred me for years. I thank God for my mom stepping in when she did because I don't know where I'd be without her. As for Tanya, I don't know where she is or what she's doing and i really rather not. On the off chance she stumbles upon this story, I have a message for her. Your jealousy and wishes for death upon me didn't win, and I truly hope that karma does not come around one day to bite you where the sun don't shine. This story started years ago when I was five. I'm a 27-year-old female now. I live with my parents and my sister at the time. The average working-class family, nothing out of the ordinary. Happy times. We moved to a different house in the same town, but I was sent to a new school because this one was way closer now. It is curious that I have these times pretty blurred out in memory because I was very young, but there are some days that I see as clear as water. This is one of them. My first day of this new school, I was very nervous. I wasn't the most extroverted or talkative kid. I was extremely shy and insecure and still am to this day. Once a very sweet and loving woman came and explained that she was my new teacher, but now it was English time and she took me to this class. There they were, my new schoolmates and my new English teacher. We'll call him L.C. A man in his thirties, short, fat, with a big black mustache. If you got closer, you saw like food debris and saliva in it. It was disgusting to be honest. We all then agreed that he was kind of a Super Mario look-alike. He welcomed me and introduced me to the kids. I said hi and sat with them on the floor. Many of them introduced themselves, made some jokes, they seemed very nice and easygoing and I was somehow relieved. I felt integrated immediately. LC proceeded and he told me to stand up and go in front of the class to practice the basics. My name is, I am from, I'm five years old, etc. I said it once. It makes me say it again, a bit louder. I say it twice. He tells me to repeat, insisting I must speak louder. I say it for the third time and it seems like it was never enough. His tone began to sound angry and he goes again like, again, again. He had me repeating this like six times until I started crying. 
and he finally told me to sit down. My mates told me it was okay and that he was just a jerk. My mom later asked me about my day at school and I said everything was fine except for the teacher LC. I started crying and told her I didn't want to go to his class ever again. There was something about him, something dark. I didn't know what it was but I felt it and he scared the life out of me. Always trust your gut. Because the following weeks I kept whining to my mom the mornings I had English. But what could she do? She tried to calm me down saying it was okay to have fun with my new friends and that he was just a grumpy teacher. I went to that school for four more years. I got used to him and his peculiar character. For example, he got really angry when a kid was late to his class. He yelled and told them to wait outside, sitting on the floor by the door, thinking. We were actually scared to be late. But there were also days when he was nice and fun. Time passed. Nothing out of the ordinary except for one thing. He talked a lot about the FBI. We'd be with computers in class, visiting the FBI website, reading about the most wanted criminals and stuff. Not the average English lesson for nine-year-old kids. He took pictures of us saying that they were for the design of our own personalized FBI identification. A kind of game, I suppose. But it never happened. But we didn't think anything weird about it. Around Christmas time, he had taken a picture of the class to design a postcard. Years later, I was in high school and an old classmate from that school tells me, Hey, did you see the news? LC was found dead. I looked for it online and I couldn't believe what I was reading. Police had found that LC had large amounts of images of children on his computer. In fact, the amount of lewd material found on his computers and hard drives was so vast that it made him one of the biggest ones in the entire country. When LC knew police were after him, he took his own life, jumping into the sea near the town's port, and drowned. I then remember that day when he didn't stop until I cried. I remember he scared me so much I didn't want to go to school. His FBI obsession, our photos, everything made sense. That darkness I felt around him. I knew I should have trusted my gut. So back in the start of the year 2020, everything was as good as I hoped it would be. Well, that's what I thought until one Sunday night. So I'll give you a little backstory which will be important later in the story. My dad had had a bad history with messing around in other people's relationships. Of course, I'm not happy about it, but... Anyways, a lot of men had gotten so angry at him that we started to have multiple men do such things, such as mess around with our cat houses, break lights and other things which I can't explain, sadly. So on that Sunday night, it was 10pm, which means my sister's boyfriend has to leave due to curfew rules and so on. I can't remember clearly, but it was all chill and quiet and normal. At least that's what I thought. Keep in mind that my parents were not home except for me and my sister. It was time to feed our cats because we were going to lock all the doors to go inside. Then my sister whispers loudly to me to go to our back door which led to our garage. Then we heard a low voice mumbling something as if he were trying to keep quiet. Then this unknown house intruder let out a loud sneeze, and that's when we knew that there was someone in our home. So me and my sister ran into her room and locked the doors to keep safe. She tried many times to call my parents and relatives that lived nearby and nobody answered, and that's when I suggested her boyfriend. 
Luckily, he picked up and she told him the situation, so he quickly drove back. As he arrives and checked the garage and house, nobody was there, of course. I don't know what would have happened if nobody picked up the phone, but I'm happy we didn't. So this weekend, my girlfriend and I went to a museum. As we were walking from the parking garage to the museum, this random dude starts walking out on his phone. He quickly got off his phone and walked behind me and tried to look casual as he turned around and took a picture. We looked around and saw that no one was on the street besides us. The only other people were a family of four and two small kids. I thought maybe he was trying to take a picture of them and was even more suspicious of that. After he did his little spin move photography, he went to sit down on a bench and watched us walk in. Now my girl was freaking out about it and I was thinking nothing of it. Maybe he was just a weirdo. If anything, maybe it was pictures of the kids or maybe some creepy weird pictures of her because she was in a cute dress. But now, three days later I'm at work and I'm a cashier at a store. I was standing at the front of my line looking for customers ready to pay and I see a man walking by me. He's holding his camera almost directly pointed at me at an awkward angle. I'm thinking, no way he's taking a picture of me. But as he passes me, I get a look at his phone and could tell that he was using his camera. I've been trying to rationalize and rack my brain that maybe he was taking photos of something else in the store. But the angle he came from doesn't really have anything interesting or any barcodes he would need a picture of. Why could this be happening, and why to me? Did I do something that would warrant someone taking pictures of me? If they had pictures of me, what would they even do with them? I'm just nervous and don't know who to tell, and how to feel about this. Is it all in my head? This just happened today. I'm a mama too, and I'm currently taking online classes. My husband works nights, so any errands I need to run during the day, my boys come with me. Today's errands including me running to my school's library for some books. My school has multiple locations, and the closest one to me, unfortunately, is located in the sketchiest area. I figured it would be fine, since it's a college campus. I pull up, load my boys into the stroller, and headed inside. As soon as I went in, I noticed the first floor was mostly a resource type of area and didn't see an elevator to the other floors. And going up the stairs with a stroller is a nearly impossible task. I didn't want to give up, so I started strolling to see if there's anything I could use. I immediately noticed a woman at the information desk looking around, if not right at me. It weirded me out a bit because there were maybe a total of three other people aside from the very few workers. This woman appeared to be in her late 30s, while I was in my mid-20s with two young children. I browsed the aisle, and then this woman moves to an information desk that was closer to me. I decided to ask for help, so I make my way to the same desk to wait my turn. This woman turns and just stares at me for a good solid five seconds. I was waiting for a smile or awkward small talk, but that never came. Her phone camera was also being pointed at me. So I started browsing again because I was uncomfortable. 
She kept looking at me and her form was following me. I went to hide behind some bookshelves for a bit and then made my way to the middle of the library. The woman's finished at her desk, turns right towards me with her phone pointed at me and is walking straight towards me staring daggers. I'm extremely freaked out and confused. She walked right by and made her way to an elevator which was nowhere near me. I'm not confrontational at all, which I know I need to work on, but I built up the courage to talk to the same librarian she had. I told him that I thought she was staring at me, maybe recording me, and that it made me feel uncomfortable. They told me that they couldn't see because the monitor was so big, but also, she was just looking up stuff on her phone, totally brushing it off. I ended up leaving and constantly checking over my shoulder. I know this isn't super terrifying, but for someone with anxiety, it was pretty scary. Also having my two young kids with me. I would love to hear if anyone has ideas of what was going on. I heard her asking for some religious book. Also, this town itself is known for drugs. I can't imagine someone actively seeking a young mom or kids would be at a college campus library on a Wednesday morning. <laughs>